especially for advisors who want to throw out comprehensive or holistic or fiduciary or any of these words that in their mind say, I'm taking care of my client to the best of my abilities. I'm going to question whether that's true if you're not considering taxes. Today on Bridging the Gap, I am joined by Stephen Jarvis. Stephen is an author, podcast host, and the CEO and head of CPA of Retirement Tax Services, where they help financial advisors transform the way they deliver tax planning. This was a conversation that was intriguing because of something that I've experienced within our own RA. How do you better integrate tax planning with wealth management? We jump in, Stephen and I, about how advisors can incorporate more tax planning into their client services. And right away, I gained insight into how to be better within our own firm. For some, this has been a struggle. And Stephen really helps us within this conversation to understand how to be better at this. We also dive into finding the time because we know we're all so busy, the busy advisors, to incorporate tax planning. And we also talk about some of the common myths about taxes that he highlights within his book. And we talk about so much more, but all around incorporating tax planning into wealth management and delivering more services and more value to our clients. That's what it's all about. This was an awesome episode with Stephen Jarvis. So let's jump in to my conversation. This is Bridging the Gap with your host, Matt Reiner. Stephen Jarvis, all the way from Spokane. Washington. What's going on, man? How are you? Uh, Matt, I'm doing really well. Just uh, enjoying the fact that the snow is finally melting here in Spokane. We can pretend it's spring. And then before you know it, it'll be summer and we can start having some real fun. There you go. You know, whenever I hear the word snow, because we're recording this in March, it'll be aired you know, sometime a little bit later. But snow scares the heebie-jeebies out of me. I mean, here in the <laughs> South, if we get snow, we close down the whole the whole city. But I mean, how much like so tell me just to to get me like all riled up, how much snow did y'all get up there this this winter, do you think? Oh, cumulatively where I'm at, probably like two feet. But a, a week ago we got we got four inches all at once and now it's just it's just melted again. But it's it, it's all relative. I grew up in Seattle, Washington, where where snow is kind of like what you're describing. If there's a little bit, everything shuts down. But now I hang out with people from Alaska and if I even mention snow, they're like, Yeah, right, like come back when there's six feet. Yeah, all right. It's it is all relative. Two feet sounds ridiculous to me. Um, <laughs> I don't know what we would do if we had two feet of snow, but uh, I'm glad that it's uh, getting to the other side. This is the best time of year, right? Spring and summer is, yeah. is phenomenal. Fall is great too. But I'm excited about this conversation, man. You head up retirement tax services, the head CPA, the CEO, and you know such an interesting topic. Especially, you know, my belief is that industry is continuing to evolve. Firms are going to have to add more service offerings and more value to their clients. And it's just like a natural fit to have tax services in providing that to your clients. And I think that there's been always a struggle of how to do that. You know, you send them over to an account and you have a COI. So I'm really excited to dive into what you've learned, how you're helping advisors. And I think it's going to be really just it's a, it's a timely conversation for our industry, given where we are. But before we get to that, I always like to ask the question, I'm always curious, the 13-year-old Stephen Jarvis, did he want to <laughs> run a, a CPA tax services business? Like, what did the 13-year-old Steve Jarvis want to do? Well, that's a really great question, Matt. And, I, and I'm laughing because I, I try to be just real honest with everything that I do, but in particular about the accounting profession, because 
I think there's a, a lot of people drinking too much Kool-Aid when it comes to being a CPA and, and telling these like fictitious stories about this just wonderland of being an accountant. Because for mo- most people don't grow up dreaming of someday being an accountant. The only people I know who were like, yeah, I knew when I was a teenager I wanted to be a CPA was somebody whose parent was a CPA at a large firm making a lot of money. So really all they wanted to be was wealthy someday and that in their minds they could do that being a cpa when, when i was 13 i was somewhere between wanting to be a brain surgeon and wanting to be a firefighter neither of which happened clearly uh, i graduated from high school was rather aimless in life for a little while and then started going to community college because i thought i was supposed to took an accounting class it seemed easier for me than for all of my friends and there were lots of jobs in accounting and so i made a very practical decision and said sure let's become a cpa so i can have a job and someone else can sign my paycheck that was also really important to me for a long time i thought it was important to me that i have this kind of illusion of security and stability by someone else signing my paycheck and and then i ground away at being a public accountant, at being a CPA in a large firm for a long time, and then went to the meeting where I was supposed to become a partner and I quit. Mm, well, now that's a, uh, that's called a, uh, that, that's what they call a teaser right there. Um, and, and we're going to get to that teaser of you quitting when you're about to become partner. I'm just curious, brain surgeon and firefighter seem like opposite ends of the spectrum. I mean, I guess they're both saving lives, but like drastically different skill sets. Like, were your parents in the medical field or firefighting field? Or was it just like, you know, it'd be really interesting to cut someone's head open and just start working? Yeah, I think the brain surgeon thing was more that end. That like that, that started around the time I was 10. And I, I honestly, it was probably more shock value of something I could say to people. And then I discovered my, my uncle was in the medical field through the army, and he explained to me how long I would have to go to school to become a brain surgeon. And already at 10, I didn't like school. And so I was like, well, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, and, and I had a couple of opportunities to go and like tour fire stations and, and learn from firefighters. And I, I thought that was just really fascinating. It was very active, it was very hands-on, very, you know, focused on helping people. And then again, I had some had a really close friend who was a volunteer firefighter for a while and would tell me all the stories about what he would do on call, none of which had anything to do with fighting fires. And so it kind of lost some of the illusion or kind of some of the grandeur to me. I'm mean, hugely thankful for the people who, who filled that role, but it just, that just wasn't something I was It just wasn't for you. It wasn't yeah. for you. So let's get back to the teaser You know that, that <laughs> tends to work really well in radio. We, we do some radio here in Atlanta and it always works to kind of hook them in for the next segment. And so yeah. you walk into this meeting. You're about yeah. to become partner. You've put in how many years at this time have you put into this firm at this point? Well, so that firm I'd only been at for two years. I was at a big national firm for almost eight years, the same firm. And then I left that firm mostly because of the, the industries they were involved in. Just It, it, wasn't, it wasn't fulfilling for me any, anymore. Uh, it was very heavily involved with the SEC and a lot of regulation that felt unnecessary and overly burdensome to me that wasn't didn't really feel like it was it was helping anyone and we could do lots of podcasts on regulation and things like that it's not the point of today the point is I, I switched firms to try to get into a just a different situation but when you go to school for accounting you're told over and over again that if you want to be successful you're going to someday be a partner in a large national firm that's how you're going to make lots of money that's how you're going to be whatever you dreamed of being and so I still had it stuck in my head that that was the only option for me but I knew really early on in my career that I was not the stereotypical CPA. It just took me a long time to find what the alternative might be. 
So I switched firms two years later. I, I was excited about the firm I was at. I was having a good experience. Literally, I had a meeting with the chairman of the board of directors of this firm of 8,000 employees for me to check the last boxes on becoming a partner. And right about that time, a couple of financial advisors reached out to me uh, who had been struggling for years to find CPAs who would collaborate with financial advisors. And they said, hey, come help us create this resource that we don't think exists. And my initial response to them was, guys, that sounds really simple. I mean, Matt, to your point, it's, it just seems like such a natural fit. Why wouldn't that already exist? And I, I told them that that seemed too simple, that it had to already exist, that this wasn't a good business idea. And they said, well, great. If you can find the alternative, we won't ask you to help us create it. And I couldn't find the alternative. And I went and I quit and started retirement tax services. Well, at least you had the feeling that you knew you were going to be partner, right? Like you at least got that that out yeah. that you know as a CPA that's uh I mean that's incredible. All right, so you go we we started we didn't know we were going to be a CPA. We become a CPA. We knew we were about to be partner. We walk out of the office. Basically said, "Thanks chairman. I'm going on my own. I really appreciate, it, but I got better things ahead." And then you start, I guess it's retirement tax services is what we started. And yeah. tell us like what is it? What do y'all do? So Retirement Tax Services was started with a goal to help financial advisors transform the way they deliver tax planning. So we are completely focused on working alongside financial planners because while I'm the tax guy, taxes is only one piece of the puzzle. And there's this, there's not nearly as much value as derived for the client if financial advisors and CPAs work in isolation, which is what happens most of the time now. Even if you take the best financial advisor and the best CPA, if they're not collaborating, things are getting missed. And so that's kind of the premise of our whole model. And so we work both with advisors to provide them education, resources, and content so they can do more on their own to deliver more value through tax planning. And then we partner with advisors so that our team is doing hands-on tax preparation and tax planning for shared clients. And so I, I just, I'm curious on this side, right? Because it's March right now. April 15th mm -hmm. is right around the corner. I mean, and yeah. we're doing a podcast. I, I mean, are y'all not slammed <laughs> or are y'all doing the preparation? I mean, how would you get time away to talk to a fool like me on a podcast like this, which is amazing. I mean, we're, we're a top ranked podcast in the world probably, but I mean, you got to be slammed, right? Well, yes, but I'm sure you can relate to this, Matt. I mean, the, the people the people I know in my life, and, and I think I fit this quite often, the people I know in my life who are doing the most exciting things are also doing the most things like there seems to just not i haven't been able to discover where that happy medium is if if i don't have too much on my agenda then i'm not getting nearly enough done it's always just kind of flirting with this way i took on a little bit too much because yeah i'm, I'm here today recording this podcast with you i also host two podcasts myself yesterday i was at an fpa chapter event speaking next week i'll be in cincinnati speaking to a group of advisors we're putting together logistics for a conference that we're going to host later this year and but yes i mean to to directly answer your question we are slammed we are preparing hundreds of tax returns i have a team behind me that helps with all of this but it's this balancing act that we want to accomplish great things I can't have two or three months of the year where I just go completely radio silent and only prepare tax returns and then come back three months later and expect my audience to still be engaged, to expect people to still be excited about what we're doing. 
and, and I, I asked that question hoping for that response because I think that <laughs> it shows something different, right? When, I think that the terminology or the, the stereotype of a CPA is like, well, they just work for four months and they're like kind of just in the weeds analytical. I've been following a lot of what you've been doing and, and you've written a book and you just have this different aura around how you approach it, right? You are approachable. You are business minded. I'm not saying CPAs aren't business minded, but you are just trying to build a brand and a business. And and I think that that's something that's really unique and necessary in the space. And I, I can appreciate that, right? Like no CPA would want to come on a podcast usually <laughs> in March, but you're not traditional. And I think that advisors need to understand that when they hear about what you're doing. Now, I'm curious, switching gears for a second. How can advisors or how should maybe is the better word advisors incorporate tax planning into their client services? I think we've struggled with this for years. We think we're doing it by referring them out to a CPA, but we don't, <laughs> but, but then we're not doing it. And then we think we're doing it if we're like getting their tax returns, but then we don't necessarily know how to read them all. And so how do you incorporate this into your planning? So great question, Matt, and something that we work really hard to help advisors be able to answer. When, when I first, because I'm not an advisor myself, make that very clear. Uh, so when I first got into this, this focus on financial advisors, I would, I would much more nicely say that really great financial advisors are incorporating tax planning. As if to say, you could still be a good advisor, but you know, to be great, you really need to be incorporating tax planning. And honestly, Matt, my, my opinion of that has shifted to if you aren't considering taxes in some way, it's probably irresponsible because every money decision has a tax impact. Now, depending on your situation and your knowledge level and the compliance that you're dealing with, that might vary as far as exactly how much you're able to do around taxes. But in my opinion, you need to, you need to be considering the impact of taxes. You need to be communicating with your clients about taxes. And to your point, simply saying, hey, go double check with your CPA is not actually doing anything. And I think there's some advisors who sincerely believe they're doing their clients a favor by adding that line to the end of something. But in my experience, both with talking to clients and talking to CPAs, your clients aren't actually going and asking their CPA that question most of the time because they're intimidated. You just gave them this really complicated thing to then go ask a professional about. And in their minds, they're thinking, well, what if there's follow-up questions? What if there's something else I don't understand? Like, I don't want to make myself look stupid by going to the CPA and saying, well, hey, my advisor, Matt, told me I should ask you about capital gains harvesting. Uh, is that something we can talk about? And their CPA says, well, why would I ever make you pay more taxes now than you have to? That's a stupid idea. Don't ever listen to Matt. Uh, and that's, that's only a slight dramatization. Well, I mean, I think that that makes a ton of sense, right? You think about, I always talk about how clients coming into a financial advisor's office they're intimidated right away. Like there's a yeah. fear, there's a there's a sense of did they have they done something wrong? There's all these psychological challenges that they face because they feel guilty and because they may not have saved enough. Like they feel stupid because they don't know the right questions to ask. They they feel they're getting judged. And it's the same thing, right? Like sometimes advisors use CPAs as like a as a crutch, be like, well, talk to your CPA. And then they don't do it. And they're like, Well, I told you to talk to your CPA, and like you didn't do it. But I think that you're right. Like bringing it in, every decision is made has a tax consequence. And a lot of advisors say they do tax planning, but they may not. So I'm curious from your perspective, like what you've seen, like what's the difference between an advisor that says they're doing tax planning, but they're doing it like on a really, really light level, but not enough. And then the advisor that's doing it really, really well by integrating into the whole process. Because I think that some people are listening to this and be like, I already do tax planning. Like I deal with it. But I think that they may be on the light side as opposed to what you're alluding to on the depth side. Of, of planning. 
Yeah, well, and we'll, th we'll throw another teaser in here for the end of the show when you ask me about a book recommendation. But for me, it all comes back to, is the advisor taking responsibility for making sure there's a quality outcome for the client? Because there, there are advisors I have massive amounts of respect for in what they're doing on taxes who are across the spectrum on their personal tax knowledge. There's an advisor that comes to mind that he could, he could run circles around me on tax knowledge because he spent years doing tax prep himself. Like He has deep technical knowledge, and he's got this just ingrained in his practice in a way that is very, very impressive. But that, that is not the only, that's not the only mark of an advisor doing, doing justice to their clients on tax planning. I also know advisors who don't have deep technical tax knowledge, but they've got such a commitment to making sure their client's taken care of that for them, what great tax planning looks like is understanding enough to know when they need to raise their hand and say, there's more we need to look at here. And oh, by the way, Mr. and Mrs. Client, I'm going to help you reach out to the CPA. I'm going to help you have that conversation. I'm going to make sure that we get this taken care of. And an advisor quarterbacking that relationship, even if they're not doing all the detailed work of the other advisor I mentioned, I still have a lot of respect for that person and think they're doing a great job. It's a spectrum, but it comes back to, are you going to own the outcome? Yeah, I, I love that. I think it's like you own the process because you own the relationship. So you got to take control of that, right? You yeah. know, you, you put an article on your website that was talking about, you've got your client's tax returns now, what? Um <laughs> I thought that was a really great article. It was, it was just intriguing because I, I think that a lot of people, and there's a lot of cool technology out there now, like with the holistic plans of the world and et cetera mm -hmm. like that, that are really helpful of analyzing. Like NFP Alpha, I think, does some analyzing of the, the of tax returns. But all right, I got their tax return. But like, what's a solid strategy if there's a person that says, you know what, I want to be able to do enough, but then raise my hand when it gets like really out of hand. But I want to be able to review there and at least have some things like, What's a solid strategy that you can take away from that article for an advisor to kind of like do a, a perusing of the tax return and have some insight that they can provide some value that's unique? So a great question, Matt, because we want to make sure it's really clear to our clients how we're delivering value because simply getting a document doesn't count as delivering value. So a couple of things that we focus on with advisors when it comes to getting tax returns. One, you need to set expectations for what it is you're going to do, because th this is where advisors get it wrong quite often is they'll request a tax return, give their client no indication of what they're going to do. And so then their client thinks, oh, my advisor requested my tax return. So that means he's going to do a full audit and make sure that everything is perfect and there's never been anything wrong. He's going to look for every single possible tax plan opportunity. And next year, I'm not going to pay any taxes. And that, that might sound ridiculous, but if you don't set expectations, I mean, people are going to shoot for the moon. And so that's that's number one is when you request the, their tax return, set expectations of what you're going to do. And if you're new to this, that can be as simple as, hey, Mr. and Mrs. Client, we worked together last year on a Roth conversion. We're going to take a look at your tax return just to make sure that was reported correctly. Super. You've now committed to doing one thing. But when you tell them that you did that one thing and it looked great, then great. You've delivered value. Uh, and, and we can build from there. So we, we have a 37-point checklist that we share with advisors. We've, we've now had hundreds of advisors use this. That is, it's, it's front and back of, of a single page. And it just goes through a list of questions to say, here's something that, here are things that you can look at on every tax return to help avoid mistakes and identify potential opportunities. And depending on the advisor's skill level, this is either going to be potential questions that I'm going to answer myself as the advisor, or at least narrow down for me the things I need to ask a CPA. So the, the first piece is set expectations. The second piece is have some kind of repeatable process, whether it's our checklist you can get at retirementtechservices.com or your own. Just build one of the common things you're looking for. 
And then the last piece is then making sure we apply what we call the dishwasher rule, which is the idea that you only get credit for doing the dishes if your significant other knows you did them. And in a client world, this isn't about patting ourselves on the back. This is about making sure the client gets the peace of mind of knowing what we're doing for them. Because even if we don't find any opportunities or any mistakes, we can still let the client know, hey, great news. We went through our 37-point checklist for your 2022 tax return. You're all set this year. And next year, we get your tax return and we'll go through the process again. Yeah, I absolutely love that. I think there's a leadership concept also of like not over... That's not over committing, but not setting expectations that create stress that's mm-hmm. undue stress, right? Like committing to something that you didn't need to commit to that and now it creates stress. Now it creates you not being mm-hmm. able to do what you need to do. And, and and that's what you're alluding to here, right? Is what are you going to do with the tax return to just say, hey, we're just going to look at it for X. Like, I just want to make sure we got your right AGI. We want to make mm-hmm. sure that you got the right, that we're aligned on what your tax rate is so that we understand some thoughts. Like, just say one thing and build from there. I think that that is phenomenal. And I love this idea of the dishwasher, right? And then the repeatable process, right? You have to have a repeatable process, something that everybody can do. You know, when you're saying dishwasher, I thought you were going to say wash and repeat that you could do, but you went a different avenue, which I, I really like. So I think that's great. I think that this also alludes to just doing one or two things, but it's this idea of putting in the work for your clients. And you put this LinkedIn post a a while ago about running Spartan races. And I see you run a lot of them back there, more than uh, I've ever dreamt of running. But you say that what you want doesn't matter, only what you are consistently willing to work hard for. And it's this idea of working hard for your clients and working hard to help them not get killed in taxes. Tell me more about where that came from in, in, in that point. I thought it was so interesting. Specific to taxes or, or Spartan races, taxes. life in general? Okay. Taxes. Yeah, no, taxes. Well, we can get into Spartan races, but taxes. <laughs> taxes will inspire no. me because yeah. I'm not going to go run a Spartan race. Perfect. We'll focus on taxes then. So, Matt, wh- where this comes from is that I, I, try to, I try to be really transparent with people that e- even though I'm coming to advisors saying, hey, I've got resources to help make your life easier, you know, come join my program. Like, clearly, there's a business piece of that. But at the end of the day, I try to provide content that people can use regardless if they ever hear from me again. And a piece of that is making sure it's really clear that this does take work. Great tax planning, wherever you're at on that, that spectrum, there's no you know magic wand you can wave that just automatically gets done. You mentioned some great tools that are out there and some of these software platforms are getting better and better, but it doesn't replace the advisor. It doesn't replace the advisor's team. And so you have to know going in, Okay, if I'm serious about delivering value on tax planning, this is going to be a commitment, but it's worth it because of the outcome for the client. And so I've got a question then, right? I, and I'm just, I'm being a hypothetical and it's not, the advisor listening to this probably don't have this thought, but it's like, all right, I'm already doing a lot for my clients. Like I, mm-hmm. I have, I have very little time. And, you know, Steven's here saying that we need to do tax planning and like you know, put some effort in and work in and it's like, if I do this for all my clients, I don't have enough time to do it. Mm-hmm. So how do you respond to the advisor so that the advisors on this podcast can respond to their friends that are saying it, not them? How do you respond to that? <laughs> uh, well, one of my favorite things to ask is, what do you think your client's biggest expense in life and in retirement is going to be? And usually, uh, the, yeah, the answer for most people is healthcare. taxes. Healthcare. Yeah, health, healthcare or taxes. Yeah, one of those two. Oh, and guess what? Your healthcare costs in retirement might be impacted by your taxable income. Uh, so we're still, we're still back to taxes. 
And so it, it's a, especially if for advisors who want to throw out comprehensive or holistic or fiduciary or any of these words that in their mind say, I'm taking care of my clients to the best of my abilities, I'm going to question whether that's true if you're not considering taxes. So that, that's, that's one approach I take some time depending on, the, on, on the, the format. But the other side of it is, hey, I get it. There are a lot of things that you're doing for clients. That's why I like partnering with advisors because of all the things they're doing for their clients. And if you truly feel like you don't have enough time in your day to add tax planning, then I've got some other great resources I can refer you to that are going to help you work more efficiently because you need to solve your business processes in a way that you have time to add tax planning because I know so many advisors who are able to do it. It's totally possible. And you, uh, it comes back to, are you committed to delivering value on that topic to your clients? Then we can figure out the rest. For the advisors that you're working with, you know, the, you think about like the fee model uh, of how advisors are, right? Like if you take the fee model of like the AUM fee, how, how are you seeing advisors get compensated for tax services? Is it included in the fee? Are you seeing that? It, and I know you, you've probably seen all aspects of it, but I'm just interested, like, what's the majority that you're seeing? And what, what, in your opinion, works the best on how to do the compensation of the fee structure for tax services? So again, Matt, I, I'm not an advisor myself. And so I, I've got I've got very limited perspective on the reality of, of what's working best. But I work with advisors across the spectrum. I mean, two advisors immediately come to mind on opposite ends of the spectrum that I work directly with. I have an advisor who we do probably 80 tax returns for that he, he has an AUM fee. And honestly, he has a premium AUM fee. He is not charging 1%. It's significantly more than that because he's very intentionally going through and saying, okay, what are the things I'm doing that everyone else is not. What are those premium services I provide? And so it's not a separate line item on his bill, but it very much goes into his fee model of I'm going to charge a premium fee because I'm providing premium services. On the other end of the spectrum, I have an advisor that comes to mind who he charges a monthly flat, flat fee for the planning that he does. And for him, but that's still that's still built into the fee he charges his clients. And then when we partner together, he's not He's not paying for our service. He's referring his clients to us. If, they, if they're if they excited to work with us, then they pay our fee and we collaborate with him because he wants that transparency to say, hey, there's value in taxes. I think you should do it, but you should only do it if you see the value as well and you're willing to pay this fee. I love that. I love that. All right. Before we get to kind of wrapping this thing up, I, I, we can't go without talking about you're an author and, and talking about your book. And, I, and it's one of the best it's one of the best titles I've heard in a long time. It, the title is Don't Get Killed on Taxes, right? Yeah. Don't get killed on taxes. I think what's the saying? Death and taxes are the only two guarantees in life, right? Is that the, the, yeah, the, some, the saying? Something, to that, effect, something yeah. like that? Something uh, to that effect. I probably butchered that pretty drastically. But don't get killed on taxes. Tell us. I want to know about the book, but I also just want to know, how do I not get killed on taxes? Like, what's the one thing I need to know from the book? Uh, that you can get it on Amazon. That's the one thing you need to know. No. <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll talk about the book and yeah, talk about some of the, the things in there. First, I got to give a huge shout out to my co-author, PJ Denuso, who is a fantastic advisor who's got a deep, deep background in taxes. And really, it's because of him that we wrote the book. He reached out to me and said, hey, this is something I've always wanted to do. Would you be willing to do this with me? And as I first started exploring it, I mean, really what stuck out to me and the reason I really just dove, uh, you know, headfirst into this 
was that we're all expected to pay taxes and none of us are ever really trained on what that actually even means. And so part of the goal behind this book is to give taxpayers kind of a 101 on, okay, what, what are taxes and what are the basic things I should know about them? So the book goes through and kind of debunks some common myths around taxes and how they work, and then provides some building blocks of just kind of core concepts to understand about taxes. And then the third part of the book is 20 different strategies to specific strategies with examples of how to not get killed on taxes. So Matt, I would say the single biggest thing that people need to know to make sure that they don't get killed on taxes is that this has to be a consistent, intentional effort over time. You don't win against the IRS going one year at a time. If you only think about taxes in March every year, almost guaranteed you're getting killed on taxes. And so it's an incremental change over time. I love that idea. You just got me kind of thinking it's like an idea of because everybody just deals with like what happened last year. It's like a moment mm-hmm. in time. And, yep. you know, you think about life in general, how people live. It's like the, the people that are just like living on a whim are kind of lost in the wind. Right? Like, I mean, they're just kind of a little bit lost. And uh, but if you can plan out your life like, yeah, it's not nothing's guaranteed. You still need to live in the present, but you got to have some direction. And, and that's what you're talking about there. I, I absolutely love that strategy. Now, I, you, you mentioned that the first part of the book is common myths. I, I'd love to know one of the common myths uh, about taxes that people have. Yeah, I'd love to know one of those. All right. Well, well, Matt, let's have some fun. There were six myths listed. You give me a number one to six and we'll just pick that one. Ah, I love that. Let's go with uh, my son's three. We'll go three. Okay. So myth number three is as long as I've got a refund, I've won. And it's this idea, again, it's back to um, people take taxes one year at a time. There's this real delusion, very much propped up by the giant uh, DIY tax prep softwares out there, especially this time of year, just bombarded. Every TV commercial, every YouTube commercial is all about, hey, we're going to guarantee we're going to get you the biggest refund possible. And so it's really just helping people understand that a refund just means that you gave the IRS an interest-free loan. I mean... We can have philosophical debates about how much of a refund you should get, but I, it's, we've got to get people away from this idea that a refund is some kind of gold star. We, we want to look at how much taxes did you actually owe. So in 2022, it's line 24 of the tax return is your total tax liability. That's the amount of your hard-earned money the IRS kept. Because I've worked with clients who will tell me, oh, but wait, I, I'm not paying taxes. I got a $2,000 refund. And then we look at their return together and it's, no, no, you paid $80,000 in taxes. It's just when we settled up at the end of the year, the IRS owed you $2,000 back. Yeah, it's like, it's like gambling. Right? At the end of the year, you just settle <laughs> up and uh, did you lose or did you win? I don't know. I mean, it, uh, I won in December, but uh, yeah. it's the same thing. That is, uh, I love that. A refund means I won. That's a myth. I, I think that that's incredible. I, I guess the last question I have, and, and you kind of alluded to it earlier, but I, I, just to get like full transparency of this is, you know, an advisor that works with you, with mm-hmm. y'all at, at the firm, is it like a how how much are they engaged? And I know it's up to them, but like, what is that? Ex- what does the experience look like? Like, is are y'all you know is there a, a platform that y'all are communicating on? Like, what does that experience look like on and on how they're working and how is it different than working with uh, you know another accountant? I, I just I, I want to have that visual. Yeah, so I'll focus on what it's like working with us. Anybody who's worked with an accountant is going to very quickly draw the distinction from how it's different. <laughs> So we, we only work with taxpayers who also work with one of our advisors. So the collaboration is, is paramount to us. And we only work with people who want to work with us on a year-round basis. And so we don't do standalone tax returns. 
So this time of year, we're very focused on tax preparation. And so all of our communications are going to loop in the advisor. We're going to drive the bus on preparing the tax return. That's kind of our job. We sign the tax return. But the advisor is going to get complete transparency into what we're doing so that they can let us know about life events or other contexts that might not be obvious just out of tax documents or the client might have forgotten about that we have that collaboration in that way. When we get past the tax filing deadline, we switch our focus to tax planning. And then our team has two other proactive value adds we do for all of our clients throughout the year in coordination with the advisor. During the summer, it's focused on proactive planning. And so we're going through the returns that we just did and saying, okay, specifically for this client, what are the top opportunities here? So not just a generic list of, hey, everyone should think about these dozen things, but specifically, okay, for Matt, we need to think about these three things. For Bob and Sue, we need to think about these three things. And we're sharing those with the advisor first to say, hey, are there any of these you've already talked to the client about that might not be relevant because of other information that you have? Or can we go ahead and communicate these to the client and start a conversation? Uh, and so we do that. That's our focus during the summer. During the fall, our focus is getting ready for year end. And again, we're included, we're collaborating with the advisor along the way to get year to date pay stubs, to find out if there's been any life changes, to make sure we're taking advantage of anything we need to before the calendar year turns over. And then in between all those things that we proactively do, we're also the way we describe it to the advisor and the taxpayer is we're your tax resource. We, you're not going to get a surprise bill from us because you sent us an email or picked up the phone. We want you to reach out when questions come up. Just on Monday, got an email from a client that said, hey, my lender told me that I should buy down the points on my new mortgage because it's a wash for tax purposes. And I thought, okay, so glad that you know enough to ask me the question. And also, can I find that lender and explain to them why that's just basically a blatant lie? But so those are the kinds of things that they might seem small, but clients love knowing that someone's there to take care of them. I love that. I think that that's just a great, it's like a, it's a three-pronged solution, tax prep, tax planning, Final year tax prep. I love that. I um, I, I think that's really incredible. I, I love it. I think it definitely is unique. You're right. You don't need to explain what it is like with a CPA. It's a little different. It's a lot different actually. And and I, I think it's really great. So you know, Stephen, I could I could pick your brain on taxes. I think that learning about taxes is, is super interesting. There's so much about it. The tax codes, it's just ever evolving. So we can always learn more. But I'm going to let you get back to doing it and, and doing what you do best on on building the company and and, and impacting people in a positive way. Before I let you go though. I'd love to know, I'm a constant lifelong learner. I love to learn through books and I love to ask people that are that are smarter than me about books they're reading so that I can try to get just a 1% smarter. So I'm gonna ask you, what's one of those books out there that we all should be reading? Yeah, it's a book that's a couple of years old now. I tried to think of something that was more recent, but this is the one that, that has stuck with me the longest and it's Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. And it, the, the idea that, that has resonated with me and I alluded to it earlier in the podcast of, it's this idea that as a leader, that you need to take responsibility for everything in your life, that nothing is about finger pointing or finding fault with other people. So as we talk about taxes getting done for, for clients, if, you, if, if there are listeners thinking, well, that's the CPA's responsibility, you need to go read this book. Because this idea of extreme ownership is that I'm going to get the most out of my life when I take responsibility for everything in my life. And that's been a game changer for me. I, I think that that's amazing. Extreme ownership is, a, is, a, is on my list. I, I've heard... You're like the fourth or fifth person that's brought that to my table, and I I, I appreciate that. So the, the last one is is I always like to ask you know we we we've talked about a ton here, uh, but mm -hmm. I always like to give this one tidbit of actionable advice for an advisor to take away from our conversation. So if there's one thing that you want the advisor to take away from our conversation, what would that be? Tax planning isn't optional. 
whether you come to retirementtaxservices.com and learn from what we're doing, or there's lots of other great resources out there. Uh, this is how I end all of my webinars, all, all of the content I put out. I don't care if you get it from me or from someone else, you need to be getting it from somewhere. Tax planning is not optional if you want to provide the best level of service for your clients. Incredible, incredible. Stephen Jarvis, I'm super grateful to you for spending time with us here on Bridging the Gap. And uh, I know that there's many listeners out there that are gonna wanna continue to follow you, probably engage with y'all. So what's the best way for people to follow you, get in touch with you, learn more about what y'all do? I'm really active on LinkedIn. Uh, I have the Retirement Tax Services podcast publishes every week, which the great thing about podcast listeners is they listen to lots of podcasts. So make sure you add that to your list as you continue to listen to Bridging the Gap. And then we're actually hosting our first conference later this year. You can go to retirementtaxservices.com to find more information about that. But in September, we are going to have a conference dedicated to helping advisors take action on tax planning. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Bridging the Gap. Don't forget to give us a rating and let us know what you think. 